Come on, Jennifer, let's clap. Should it be in God's house? Come on, let's clap like we're really happy to be in God's house today. Hey, if you're here for the first time, if you're here for the first time, I just want to welcome you to the stage for a moment. We'll introduce you to everyone. I'm just kidding. We don't do that here. Hey, if you're here for the first time, we are sincerely very glad that you're with us. Some of you just got sick when I said that. I'm, just, I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, but we're very glad that you're with us today. And uh, everyone who came back for uh, the second week in a row, well done. I know that, God, um, that God's word is true. The Bible says in Psalm 92, 13, that those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. And it's a, it's a principle, I believe it's a habit that you can build into your life um, and the fruit of that is something that you'll be proud of. And listen, um, for everyone else who calls this place home, welcome home. We're so glad that you are back in God's house. Amen. It's good to be in church. Um, I, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how to respond to Pastor Brian's offering talk, but um, uh, well done. Well done. I don't know what else to say. Um, but hey, uh, for everyone else who um, last week was part of a crew, um, I just want to say, um, you're making a wise choice. Um, you're making a wise choice into being intentional about getting godly people and godly voices around you. Um, it's not easy to do that. It's not something natural that happens. I I'll tell you, it it's actually the exact opposite of what you naturally would do if you're going through a season of difficulty. Well, I have an idea. Let me get around people I don't know and talk about my issues. Sounds so much fun. That's awesome. Let's do it. You know, the truth is that our flesh leads us in a direction and the Spirit of God leads us in another direction. And, and today we're going to talk about something that I believe is imperative for us and to, to follow the Lord well, and it's being led by the Holy Spirit. And, and I know for many of us that may seem new to you. It may not. Maybe you have been in church for a long time, but I've, I've come to realize that God loves us so much, so much, that he's willing that to, to, to shake things up in our life so that we will continue to move, not in a random direction, but in a direction towards better, in, in a direction to knowing him in a greater way. Um, I want to read you a story that one of our crew leaders uh, submitted this past week about the crews that are gathering, and she was so excited about the crew that they had on that night that she wrote this, res this response, excuse me, I want to read this to you. It says this, we had an incredible start to crew this week. We had a handful of new people come to join our family this week. And one person in particular had come to True North last week for the very first time. She felt like the message was speaking directly to her and decided to sign up for a crew. That Sunday, the first Sunday she was in God's house. Um, I don't know about you, but that like, when I read stuff like that for me, who've been, I've always been raised in the church. Like, that's always convicting to me. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, how long have you been here? Like five years? Like, um... 45 minutes? I'm like, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, when she arrived, she recognized someone in our crew that had greeted her and welcomed her at church that, that Sunday. And she said instantly she, she felt at home, even though she did not expect to. Ladies that had been in our crew for years encouraged her on how this group had helped them grow in their walk with God and that it was a safe place to share their struggles and be vulnerable. One described that she had seen miracles in her life as a direct result of our small group and our prayers. And, in, and another said during our last series that she had overcome fear and worry that had, she had been battling with for over 10 years. We look back in thankfulness for what God has done in our small group in the past. And we are excited for what God is going to do in our crew this year. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? 
God designed us for relationships. He's designed us for relationships. And if you look at your life, many of us can identify the relationships that we have, and many of our relationships are casual acquaintances that we run into people, or we're in the same class, or we work at the same place, or, or we're family, and we cannot not be associated with you. And, and so our relationships, for many of us, have come as a default. They are what they are because of our natural relationships. Now, what if what if this year you were intentional, intentional about going out of your way to connect with people that you know you should be connected with, that you know would speak into your life, that you know would be by your side, that believe the same thing, that, that obey the word of God, that are, that are honest about their struggles and are honest about pursuing Jesus and want to please God. Imagine what your future would look like if you intentionally went out and said, I want to do life with you. Why? Because the convictions that we have here, one of our convictions is that we believe that we're better together. I love watching um, the Animal Planet and different shows like that where animals eat each other. And, uh, and there's, this, there's this one scene that I remember watching, and I remember it because my daughter was with me when we were watching it. it these lions, and as these lioness were approaching the prey, the commentator was saying, now as they approach, they wait. They wait, and they watch. I think, what are they watching for? Like they're so much bigger, stronger, and even faster than what they're trying to catch. And so they're watching for one to isolate themselves. And at times, the one that isolates itself, sometimes it doesn't even know it's being isolated, but it's slowly drifting from the pack. And the moment it drifts far enough, the, the lions, they jump, and they attack, and they devour. I just find it interesting that it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that our enemy, our adversary, the, the devil, he watches, and he waits, like a roaring lion ready to devour someone. Huh. It's interesting that the Word of God uses that analogy for all of us to be able to flip on Netflix and watch what that really literally looks like. It's like, that's like, that's not good. How's it happen? It's when we slowly isolate ourselves. The animal kingdom gets it. They know that they're stronger and they're better together. They stay within a pack. They, they know that if they stay within a pack, they can, they can fend them, fend off the, the enemies or their adversaries or those that are trying to kill them. They understand that. So they're intentional about staying together. And so they do it, and they're purposeful about it. It's not random. They're like, oh, I think maybe we should stay together after other lions begin to pick off their family and their friends. It's easy for them to say, like, hey, this, we, we should probably stick close together. They get it, but often we don't. Have you ever found yourself saying this, like, um, God, this is bad. I need to fix this. This is bad. And then the moment someone extends an invitation, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. Listen, thanks, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate the help and everything and like the church and all the group and the groups and the better together. Like, I believe that. Why do we say we believe something? And then once we actually have an opportunity to change it, we don't. Why? I think because of sheer, of, of fear. Sheer was, um, uh, shame and fear together. And, um, 
because of fear and shame and all of these other things that go on in our life, we're like, yeah, that's true, I believe it, but we won't move. We won't move. It's like we're stuck. It's like, yeah, I believe it. You're like, yeah, well, why don't you come out and like do life with people? That's all right, I'm fine. You're like, no, you're not. We can all tell you're not fine. And how can we tell? Because we've all been there. We've all been there. We're, oh, none, none are perfect. None are righteous, the Bible says. It means perfect. None are perfect, not even one. None of us are. And, and, and so knowing this, we need to make sure as we move forward in our life, listen, listen, lions, what are they? They're, they're, they call it a pride, the pact. It's a pride. We have crews, okay? We have crews. That's how we do life together with one another. And I'm just, I want to encourage you, this journey with Jesus, it can't be done alone. And to, to convince yourself that you can just show up to church on a Sunday. Some of you have been in church a long time. You are a professional at doing church. But you just don't know how to do it with other people. And I just want you to know that, that God wants us to do life with one another. And some of us say, yeah, I'm all about that. But if you really examined your life, the only people you do life with are the people you're forced to do life with. And when God says, hey, I want you to scan your horizons, Jess, like who have you chosen to do life with? And I'm like, I'm forced with all these people. Who have you chosen to position yourself with? You know, crews are really environments for you to choose the people and to connect with the people that will be with you forever. It's a cool environment. And I, I believe with all my heart that all of us will be better if we're part of a crew. Can you say amen? I want to talk to you in the remaining time we have uh, this morning about fighting the war against sin and walking in freedom. One of the most evident things in my journey with God is, is the tension between, between being led by the Spirit and being led by my flesh. It's this, it's this constant awareness. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He says, I do the things I do not want to do and the things I don't want to do, I do. And he says, what a wretched man I am. But then at the end, he says, well, thanks be to God, because we have the victory over sin. We're not slaves to sin. He says, we have a choice. All of us have a choice to, to obey God or to disobey God. And can I tell all of you this one thing, just so we're all on the same page? None of us in our own nature chooses to obey God. None of us do. None of us. None. Oh, let me repeat that. Yes, you. Um, the one thinking that it's not you, because that was always me. I'd be there like, well, they don't know me yet. So it's like probably everyone but me. No, all of us, our natural tendencies lead us away from God. They all lead us away from God. We cannot follow and obey God in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to enable us, to empower us to be obedient to God. And I want to talk to you about this because I want you to understand something like following Jesus requires you acknowledge, one, that you are in a war. You're in a battle. That's the first thing. The second thing is we don't fight the way that you think we're going to fight. Okay, like, you know, some of you are like, no, I'm ready to go. I'm going to do it. No, no, no. In the kingdom of God, we fight differently. We fight differently. We heard through worship today that God will fight for us. He'll fight for us. So what does that require of us? To stand firm in faith 
and to believe and to obey. And it's in, those, it's in that very operation, those actions of faith and obedience that we're able to walk in obedience to God. I, I, want, I want us to look what it says in this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. It says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So that none may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I love this because it explains that all of us need to be encouraged on a daily basis. And why to be encouraged? Why should we be encouraged? Because sin can deceive you. And sin can begin to harden your heart. Sin can begin to make you see things that aren't true and to say things that you don't believe and do things that you shouldn't do. But if we're connected in relationship with one another and we're encouraging one another, we can be protect, protected from the enemy. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, I'm going to read from the Amplified Version to you this morning. It says this, If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, He is faithful and just, true to His own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness, our wrongdoing. What is unrighteousness? It's our wrongdoing. Everything not in conformity with his will and with his purpose. Sin slows us down. It redirects us in our walk with God. But this says in the word that if we confess before God, he is faithful to forgive. No matter where you are today, no matter what your journey looks like, God says he's faithful to forgive you. He's faithful to forgive you. I know people often say to me, well, you don't, you, you, you don't really know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. I know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, regardless of where you come from, regardless of what you're going through, um, he's faithful to forgive us. Can somebody say amen? I'm grateful for that. Our confession will bring forgiveness from God. But James 5.16 says this about our confession. Therefore, confess your sins to one another your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man or believer can accomplish much. It says when put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. I love this. Our confessions to God, we know that God's faithful to do what? To forgive us of our sins. But then James says, that if we confess our sins to one another, that God will heal us and he'll restore us. There is something powerful about our confession to someone else. You might say, well, why do you think that is? I believe anything that is hidden has power over us. But when it's revealed to the light, it loses its power. I want to just say this. We all need to have wisdom to who, to, or, or we need to have wisdom about who we share the stuff with in our life. We need to make sure that the person's mature. We need to make sure that the person is for us and not against us. We need to make sure that they love Jesus and they, they are pursuing the same things we're pursuing. Use wisdom in that. I've watched people in church run around and tell everyone all their bad things and all the wrong things they've done, in a sense, hoping to receive forgiveness. That's not how we receive forgiveness. The Bible says that if we confess our sins to God, he'll forgive us. But there's some things in our relationships with one another that we need to confess. We need to confess. And the Bible says in that confession will come healing and restoration. I want to read you Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 again, but in the Amplified Version. Listen to what it says. 
but continually encourage one another every day as long as it is called today. And there is an opportunity to do so, so that none of you may be hardened, this is what it says, into settled rebellion, so that your heart will not become hardened into settled rebellion. You know what settled means? Unmoving rebellion. It says that I made up my mind, I'm not changing, this is what I'm doing, even if it's in direct rebellion to God. What does the word say? It says that if we gather together with one another, those who are like-minded, pursuing Jesus and holiness and obedience to God, that will keep our hearts from becoming hardened before him and keeping our hearts out of direct rebellion. It says by the deceitfulness of sin, it's cleverness, delusive glamour and sophistications. Doing life with other believers strengthens our walk with the Lord. You want to be weakened? You want to walk with a limb in the kingdom of God? Don't be around any other believers. Tell yourself that you can do it alone. Tell yourself that no one needs to know about anything, that you can do it all on your own, that you don't need to do life with other people. Can I tell you, I think in the Western culture, we've missed this principle. We're so much about ourselves and so much about accomplishing things for ourselves that that we've abandoned this idea of doing life with other people, this idea of, of, of carrying the burden of my brother and my sister in Christ, of helping them out where they may be in a, in a difficult season. But the Bible, the Bible clearly declares, and even Christ himself says this, he says that you will be known unto men. How? By the way that you love one another. It's in our acts of love towards one another that people who are outside the walls of this place who aren't, in relationship with God, will say there's something about that person. I don't know what it is, but they love one another in a peculiar way. That's what he says. I find it interesting that everything that will prophesy or declare to people who are far from God is woven into our relationships with one another. Our healing and restoration confess to who? One another. I want to display that I'm a disciple of God. How do I do that? Love. Oh, good. Just love? No, no, no. Love one another. Everything that God calls us to do is within one another. And he's not, listen, some of us think it's just random people. It is not. It's actually explicitly talking about those who are in the house of God. It talks about the believer. Because some of us would rather love people who are far from God than people who are in Christ. <laughs> oh, it's too close to home, you know. It's just harder to love people who you're close to sometimes. But Christ says that's where the power resides, to love one another. Romans chapter um, 6, verse 18. This is what it says about enjoying our freedom in Christ. And having been set free from sin, you have become the slaves of righteousness, of conformity to God's will. This is what it means, that you and I are no longer slaves to sin. When we say yes to Jesus... And the blood of Jesus on, on the cross of Calvary, it has, it has paid for our sin. When that happens, we can live life in true freedom, in true freedom, and we should enjoy it. In John 10, 10, this is what it says. It says, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come, this is Christ, to give you life and life more, in, more abundantly. That's what the Word says. He says, I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. One of the things that I watch as our family begins to honor God and to serve God, and I watch the nature of our, of our nation and the world, it dawns on me that it's very easy for us to just fit church and fit God into the, into the available spaces of our life. 
to say, well, God, I can give you here. I can give you some time here, but I just don't know if that's going to, I don't know if I can do that. I don't have enough time to be connected. I don't have enough time to give or to serve or to do those things. But can I tell you something? That all of us need to come to a place to recognize what we received from Jesus. We use this word often in church. We say this word grace. If you're familiar, if you know, if, you, if you've heard that word grace, put your hand up real quick. If you've heard the word grace, we, we talk about grace often in church. And I, I'm just at a point in my, in my journey with God, I am so thankful for grace. I'm overwhelmed by it. I can tell you honestly, not to make you think any differently of me, but I, when I think about that in the private time that I have with the Lord, I just cry. I, it, it overwhelms me to think about grace. And if, if you, I think there's a word that you need to understand in order for you to fully appreciate grace. It's called repentance. It's called repentance. Let me, let me just connect this full, full circle for you if I can. When I talk to people who are far from God and I'm like, hey, this is early on when I'm talking to people and I want them to be saved. I want them to give their life to Jesus. And I say, hey, are you saved? And they'd be like, saved from what? What, what you know, like what's gonna happen? You know something I don't know? I'm like, well, kind of, you know, but um, what, what, what do, are you saved? And they're like, well, I, I don't know. What do I need to be saved from? What, what, what do you mean? I'm like, well, we all have sin. Sin, what do I do? I'm a good person, man. I, and I love this. It's always, this is the standard. I'm convinced of this. Every time I talk to people, they're like, come on, man. I've never killed anybody. You know, that's the standard to get into heaven. Just don't kill people. And then you're good. It's like, the, I don't know if it's just a New Jersey thing, but they're always like, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody. You're like, you are. You're an amazing person. You haven't killed anyone. And that's our standard. Why? Because we see ourselves in comparison to other people. But can I tell you the reason grace and that word is connected with repentance is because many of us don't recognize that, that sin Sin in our life, the sin that is evident in our life, carries a debt with it. Carries a debt, and that, and that debt is death. It's death. Like if we could, for a moment, for you to better appreciate the significance of the blood of Jesus Christ and what grace provides you and what it provides me, let's move prior to the coming of Christ and the blood shed on Calvary. Let's go to the Old Testament for a moment. And I know some of you are like, whoa, pastor, we're under the blood of the new covenant. We are. But the Old Testament and the Old Covenant does not cease to exist and is there for our teaching and for our reproof. It helps us in our journey and in our walk of holiness with God. The Bible says that our God is unchanging. The immutability of God, he's unchanging. It means he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He never had a moment of beginning. He'll never have a ceasing of an ending. He always has been. It's the nature of who our God is. So prior to him sending his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to pay for the punishment of the sins of humanity, do you know how he dealt with sin in the people of God? If sin was evident among the people of God, he rooted it out. He dealt with it. Because sin had to have a consequence. And there was a consequence of sin. There must, have, there must be a shedding of blood, which meant death. So if you were caught lying to your parents, if you were caught in adultery, if you were caught doing something, all these things before God, there was an immediate consequence for the sin. And many of the times it was death. Our God doesn't change. You're saying, oh, wait, this doesn't seem like the God I know. No, we serve a just God. Now you're starting to understand why he had to send Christ. There must be a, pun must be a payment for sin. 
Someone had to pay. And so God, in, in, in his love and his demonstration of love towards humanity, he says, listen, someone needs to pay for sin. Someone has to pay for it. And so he sends his son to bleed and to die and to hang on a cross. And that is grace. It's grace. It's saying, no, no, this was, this was supposed to be you. It was supposed to be me. But it's because of his love for me. And he took the penalty of my, of my sin. And because of that, I can walk in freedom. Now, let me ask you something. What do you think grace should produce? The Apostle Paul says, when sin abounds, grace even abounds greater. So then what, should we sin even the more so that grace abounds more? He says, no, grace should move you out of this casual acquaintance with sin. And how can we do it? Do we strive to accomplish it in our own strength? No, we cannot. If we think for one moment that we can all of a sudden be perfect and holy before God, we are just like the people of Israel to think that we in some way in the, in, in, in the law where we can earn perfection and please God, which we cannot. The Bible says even if you've done everything well, if you've done one thing wrong, you might as well have done everything wrong. His standards are too high. His holiness is too great. His perfection is too high. Standard is standard beyond our reach. So how do we stand in the presence of a holy God? Through the righteousness and the blood of one. And his name is Jesus. And that's it. We stand in his righteousness. And can I just convey to some of you with the deepest conviction that all of us are called to walk in obedience and called to walk in holiness before God. And I'm telling you one thing, this is what sin does. Listen to me very carefully. Sin wants you to see sin. The enemy wants you to see sin, which sin is this. It's missing the mark from God. It's saying, sin says this to God, I rule in this area, God. I rule in this area. You are not Lord in this area. You're not Lord of my thoughts. You're not Lord of my language. You're not Lord of my finance. You're not Lord of my time. Everything we do conveys something. That's why when we read the word of God, everything is connected to obedience. When we're obedient to God, it's us constantly acknowledging. You know what obedience says? It says, God, you are Lord of my life. That's what it says. It says, you're Lord of my life in every area of our lives. And, 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 and many of us, listen, this is what the enemy does. If we have a desire to honor God and to please God and to walk in holiness before God, can I tell you, if you don't understand that you're supposed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, this is what we begin to do. We strive to be good before God. And we find ourselves right at, back at the same spot where we're filled with guilt and shame and condemnation. But then the Apostle Paul says in Romans, he says, no, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we're not being led by the flesh. We're being led by the Spirit of God. And God's faithful to forgive those who are pursuing him. And though you may fall and screw up, God's faithful to welcome you back and say, come on, get back up. You can do this. But to misunderstand grace as this, 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 a free forgiveness card. You don't understand what repentance means. Repentance means, God, I'm sorry for, for missing the mark. I recognize that I've dishonored you. I recognize that even in my life, Maybe I didn't kill nobody. Maybe I didn't do anything wrong. But God, I realize that everything I've earned, I think, has come from my own hands. Everything that I say, I, I say in, to appease my own flesh. And that's what it means to repent before God, to say, God, you are Lord of my life. And I'm sorry that I've been serving myself over serving you. Do you know, at the beginning of time, the beginning of time, we see the most peculiar thing. I, I never saw this 
I've never even recognized it, that we all have a choice. The Bible says each one of us has the choice of life and death, all of us. And even at the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve and, and walked in relationship with them, unobstructed by sin, there was no barrier of sin in the relationship between God and humanity, his creation. He was Lord over their life, and they were entrusted to steward everything that God had given them. The fruit of the garden, the animals that God had given them, he, he entrusted them to steward it well. But even when there was no sin, even when the relationship was pure as, as it could be, there was still a choice. And true freedom, in true freedom, there is always restraint. Always restraint. When God said to humanity, don't eat that tree, you know what he was saying to them? I want to tell you something. I'm Lord. I'm not second. I'm first in every aspect of your life. And just so we can be on the same page, that which is in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat. And in order for us to walk in harmony in this relationship, you need to die to yourself and whatever desires that you have that you think you want to accomplish, you need to deny those desires and you need to walk according to the power that I give you through the Holy Spirit, but you need to use restraint in them. Restraint, actually, you must have restraint in true freedom. And the devil promises the complete opposite. He says, you don't need restraint. Do whatever you want. Whatever sexual desires you have, whatever ambition you have, whatever you, whatever pleases you, go after it. Go after it. No restraint. And he doesn't offer freedom. He promises freedom, but he only gives bondage. There's something so powerful in walking led by the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, when you get up tomorrow, what a gift it is to have breath, to be able to live life in relationship with God. And when you get up in the morning, and there's something powerful each morning when you get up. You take that breath and you say, today I will be led by the Holy Spirit in my thoughts towards those I love, my bride, my children, those I work with. I will be led by the Holy Spirit in my thoughts and in my language. And the moment I respond out of, through weakness or out of the flesh, I will repent and say, God, forgive me, because I want and I know that when I'm led by the Spirit, it produces blessing. Listen to me, church. Obedience will open the kingdom of heaven, the doors and the windows of heaven, a blessing on your life. It'll shut the gates of hell in your life. But the moment we begin to live in disobedience, there are consequences that we must take. We eat the fruit of our decisions. You read in Genesis, I mean in Exodus, rather, in Egypt, when the people were, were freed from bondage and slavery, people flat out looked in the face of God and said, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to serve myself. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I can believe. I don't know if I can believe. God, you, you know, this happened and that happened. I don't know if I can believe. And God doesn't force himself on people. Gives them a choice, and, and they chose death. And for 40 years, an entire generation walked and wandered in the wilderness and died. Why? Did, did God do that? No, he gave them a choice. And they chose themselves over being obedient to God. And can I tell you, the same is true today. There are people who constantly live in disobedience to God and think that there are no consequences in doing so. 
And that's why I love the house of God. That's why I love doing life with one another because the moment we begin to veer off, we have people standing beside us that love us dearly and desperately. And they said, listen, you're heading for a cliff, man. Don't go that way. You're heading for a cliff. Don't walk that way. I'm telling you, there's going to be consequences to those decisions. Don't do it. And can I tell you, when we deliberately disobey God, it will yield something in generations to come. And I'm not saying that so that you live in fear because I know the power of God. I know that the power of God that lives inside of me is the same power that raised Christ from the grave. And I know that anything that may have happened generations past in my family, that I have the choice through the power of God to just claim and to prophesy and to proclaim no longer in my family or in my generations. But I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that my parents fought battles for us, for me, that I don't really need to fight battles that they had to fight because they fought them for me. And the same is true for people who refuse to fight battles. The battles you refuse to fight will be passed on to your generations. They'll be passed down whether you want them to or not. But I'm telling you, if you choose today, if you choose today to say, God, I will honor you, not in my own strength, not in my own ability, but I choose to be led by the Holy Spirit, I recognize I am no longer a slave to sin, that though I may screw up and I may mess up, God, that you are faithful to forgive me. So may I keep to your word, may I walk in obedience before you, and may I honor you in all your ways. Listen, all of us are called to holiness. We're called to it. So you say, well, I, I don't know what that means. It means that we're called to represent Christ in all of our ways. We are a chosen people, a set-apart people before God. And I'm excited. I just really believe that in preparing for this, this message to share with you today that I just believe God's getting ready to open doors for many of you that no man can shut, no man could open, only God could open them. And that God's gonna do things in your family that you've been praying about for decades, that God's gonna do things in your business that you've been dreaming about. I believe that there's things that are gonna be happening in your world that you, you could write a book about. I believe it with all my heart that something significant is happening and stirring in the heart of this, of this people, of his people here at True North, and God's getting ready to do something. But I really believe that this word needs to be carried into every aspect of our life that we are to live in obedience and in the holiness before Christ. And in all of that, listen, it's like this, it's like this understanding, like my children, I, I love them so much and I instruct them not to do things, not because I don't love them, not because I want to deprive them of joy and happiness, but because I know the consequences of what they'll do. And Christ is trying to do the same thing to his children that he desperately and dearly loves, saying, don't do that, don't walk that way, don't talk like that, don't think like that, don't begin to say things like that, you're going to reap what you sow, don't do it. And I'm praying this year, above any other year, that this week, that this month, that the beginning of this year, that everything that we would pursue, we would say this at the beginning, I will be spirit-led in Jesus' name, in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions, in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I'm so grateful for this house. God, for what you're doing amongst us, I'm just grateful, God. And Father, as we desire to pursue you in all of our ways, God, may we take record and take account of who leads us and guides us. Is it our flesh or is it the spirit that dwells within us? God, we know that the Holy Spirit, that you have taken residence in our heart, that you live within us. And Father, may we not become casually acquainted with you 
residing within us because you promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And so may we guide and direct our thoughts and our words and our actions in accordance with your word. Father, it says in Proverbs 1, through, in chapter 1, verse 7, that the beginning of all wisdom and knowledge is to fear you, not out of a frightening sense, but God, out of a sense of awe. And Father, may we begin to just have a reverence and a fear of you, God, and what you've provided for us and, and what you've given us and, ha and so desire to still give us. We know that you've come to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. So, Father, as we, as we consider all of our ways, may we choose life. May we choose life today to walk in obedience, to walk in holiness before you. Father, we know that none are righteous, not even one. But, Father, we pray that today, even in this environment, God, that many would surrender and repent and give their life to you. Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you. And I pray it's encouraged you um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, that you will be saved. And Salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't work towards it. It can only be received. It's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So the Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me. Just say this prayer. Say, dear, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is secure in Christ. One of the things that I wanna encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody, whether you're telling us through the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited. The second thing I wanna encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy Bible-based church, whether it's True North Church or another church close to you, find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.